Welcome to Closer to Christ, the sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. You can learn more about our ministries at stpaulmuskego.org. And now for this week's message. Jesus began his ministry by being baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River. John the Baptist said, ah, no, 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 no. This is all wrong. I need to be baptized by you and you're coming to me. And, and Jesus in Matthew chapter 3 says, it is necessary for us to fulfill all righteousness. That Jesus went out into the desert where the, the Jordan River flows into the Dead Sea. He went out there because he was becoming us taking our place. It was necessary for him to do this to fulfill all righteousness. See, John the Baptist made clear that his baptism was a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins. And Jesus took on our sin, and so, in a sense, he, he was baptized for our sins, completely taking our place. And now it's our privilege uh, to go back to a desert place and reclaim again the promises that our God has given us in our baptisms. Now, as I mentioned, uh, when I got up this morning, I was, it was confirmed to me that yes, I get to preach today, uh, but I still started my day with my daily Bible reading, trusting that God would give me something to say to you guys. Uh, and it was just interesting, right at the end of the uh, Old Testament lesson, uh, Genesis chapter 21, uh, Abraham is having a disagreement with uh, the Philistine king about a well. And uh, the well that he dug he called Beersheba, or Beersheba. Now, Beersheba the, the Sheba or Shiva part has, has two meanings. It can mean both seven because he offered the king of the Philistines seven uh, lambs as proof that he had really dug this well. And then Sheva or Sheba, that, that's also the Hebrew word for oath or, or promise. So Beersheba, Beersheba is the well of promise. And I realized, oh yeah. On this Sunday when we celebrate Jesus' baptism, our God is inviting us to go back to our own baptisms and recognizing that, that our baptism is our Beersheba, our well of promise where we can go and get the water of life every single day of our lives. So what I wanted to do with you today is, is simply use the same Bible study that I, I do when, when, I, when a couple says, hey, I want my child to be baptized, or an individual says, hey, I want to be baptized. I use this Bible study to introduce them to, to the marvelous promises that God gives in baptism. And so I, I, using that outline, and I hope that at least most of you got this outline. For those of you who are worshiping with us online, I, I couldn't get it to you. I finished it about an hour ago. So, so I'd like to start 
in a place that has nothing to do with baptism to help us appreciate how dry it is out in the Negev. You see, the Negev, where Beersheba is, is a desert region. It probably gets about eight uh, inches of rain a year on a good year. And uh, this is where we tend to live. We tend to live in a, 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 a desert area, a spiritually dry area. And, and I love the way the prophet Zechariah, 500 years before uh, Jesus was born, describes our spiritual desert. He doesn't use it in desert terms. He uses, it, uses clothing terms instead. So I have it on the worship folder, uh, or on, the, on this outline, Zechariah chapter 3, 1 through 4. You can follow along if you like. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest. So these, these are visions that Zechariah uh, the prophet is receiving. So he sees this vision that an angel is giving him. Then he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan standing at his right side to accuse him. I love this picture because, you know, Satan is right there accusing Joshua. And, and, and I relate to this very much because part of the desert region that I'm in is what was referenced right at the beginning of this last song uh, that that uh, we are, I don't remember the exact words, but, but the label that we carry is, you know, that we're, we're, we're ashamed of ourselves, we're, we're guilty, we're, we're no good. You know, that's the message that Satan constantly is whispering in the back of my head. You know, this, that's kind of the recording that I hear. So he showed me Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord and Satan, the accuser, standing right beside him. The Lord said to Satan, the Lord rebuke you, Satan. The Lord who has chosen Jerusalem rebuke you. Is, this man a, not, is not this man a burning stick snatched from the fire? Now Joshua was dressed in filthy clothes as he stood before the angel. Now filthy clothes just doesn't do it. You know, I, I remember uh, this fall on one of those nights that we had, uh, I, I think it was the opening uh, of school barbecue, and, and a, a young man came walking up, and I thought he was wearing a costume at first, and then I realized he was, he was mud from here on down. For about three weeks afterwards, you could still see the mud prints on the cement right out over here. And then I realized, oh, he's covered in mud. And I'm going, man, I'm glad I don't have to get this child in my car. Shower here in the, sanctuary, in the Trinity Cafe. That's, that's why we put a shower in there, just for such occasions. Now, he was filthy. Not good enough. The Hebrew word for filthy here, forgive me, but human excrement. I mean, that's what he's covered in. That, that's the Hebrew word. So, so he sees Joshua clothed. Just, his clothes are filthy. Ah. Oh. He's been sick, he's puked all over, he has diarrhea. Man, this is bad, right? Get the picture. Woo. The angel said to those who were standing before him, take off his filthy clothes. Then he said to Joshua, the angel of the Lord, see, I have taken away your sin. I will put fine garments on you. Do you hear these voices in the back of your head that say you're never going to be good enough? 
You're not the only one who hears them. Your God does too. In fact, he, he, he sees all the times you haven't been good enough. He sees the filthy clothes that you are clothed in. He hears Satan's accusations. He's not good enough. He's not good enough. She's not good enough. She's not good enough. And the Lord says, ah, take off those filthy clothes. Put clean clothes on. That, that's the picture of forgiveness. And I start there when I talk about baptism. It doesn't have anything to do with baptism. It's just a beautiful picture of forgiveness. Because the Apostle Paul, in Galatians chapter 3, connects baptism with clothing. In Galatians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul says, You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. For all of you who have been baptized into Christ have clothed yourselves with Christ. That when you're baptized, you put on a Jesus coat. Those are, that's the clean garment that's put on you. You, you. you are wearing a Jesus coat. That's the promise that God is giving to you. And the reason why I appreciate that so much is then I go back and remember at Jesus' baptism, God the Father spoke from heaven and said, this is my son whom I love, with him I am well pleased. And if I'm wearing a Jesus coat, if you're wearing a Jesus coat, God the Father is looking at you and saying, you are my daughter, you are my son, whom I love, with you I am well pleased. When you are out there in the spiritual desert, in your Negev, go back to your Beersheba, go back to your baptism, and remember that our Savior dug that well of promise for you in the waters of baptism. The next section on the outline references Matthew 28. You know, Jesus said, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Why does, how does baptism uh, make this, this so powerful? You know, some people want to be baptized with special water. What makes that water special is Jesus' promise that this, this water that, that we get from the tap, I mean, this is, this is not special water, but it's our, our Beersheba. It's our well of promise because God has placed a promise there. Now, I love Martin Luther's small catechism. I didn't love it when I was a kid, memorizing it. Ugh. Uh, but when I started teaching it, I went, man, this guy really had his stuff together. He summarized so many important things in just a little bit. And so I, I just happened to put Luther's small catechism baptism section on our outline. I'd like you to read that first section with me. It's in bold print, italics, you can't miss it. What is baptism? Baptism is not just plain water, but it is water used by God's command and connected with God's word. So, God's word puts something special in that water. Your Beersheba is filled with promises. It is the well of promise, the well of, of oath that God is making to you. And the, the nice summary is in Acts chapter 2. In Acts chapter 2, the apostle Peter preached this powerful sermon 
and convicted people of crucifying the Savior. I mean, you can't kind of get worse than that, right? I mean, what have you done that you'd go, well, that's as bad as me pounding nails into Jesus' hand. I mean, that's what they did. They crucified the Savior and they said, what should we do? And he says, repent. Which, there's nothing special about that word repent. It just means, ah, I, I'm sorry. I blew it. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus. Jesus, the one who you crucified. Yes, he is the God with Father and Holy Spirit. Baptized in the name of Jesus. Why? For the forgiveness of your sins. Oh, yeah. All that filth has been washed away in baptism. When you struggle to believe that you are a redeemed child of God, go back to your baptism. God is making a promise to you. He is wrapping you in his arms and saying, you look just like my son. I want you to know that you are perfect in my sight. You are forgiven. But then there's something more. Be baptized in the name of Jesus for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the promised Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and for your children and for all who are far off. And then I go, you got to go back and go, oh yeah, uh, Pentecost. The, the, the flames of fire coming down on the apostles and, and suddenly they're speaking in languages they've never spoken spoken before and they have this courage they were in a locked room filled with fear and suddenly they have courage to speak about Jesus to the world around them thousands of people come to faith that's the Holy Spirit that is promised to you in your baptism oh brothers and sisters we just got to go back out to Beersheba more often right let's go out to our well of promise and claim not only that we are forgiven but we have this powerful Holy Spirit working in us. These are the promises that God gives in baptism. And Martin Luther talked about that too. Right on the bottom of that first page. Please join with me. What does baptism do for us? Baptism works the forgiveness of sins, delivers from death and the devil, and gives eternal salvation to all who believe this as the words and promises of God declare. Now, it's important to understand that baptism doesn't give you different promises from God. You can go to Bethlehem and find the same promises of God. Oh, God became a child, a human being to suffer and die for you. You go back to Bethlehem and claim the promises of God that he gives you at Bethlehem. You can go up to Capernaum and see the miracles that Jesus did there and be reassured, yes, he is the Son of God. You see, the same promises of forgiveness and the power of the Holy Spirit is, is written in God's Word as you read it, as you listen to it, as you meditate on God's Word. It's the same promises of God. It's not different in baptism. It's the same promise. But many of you know that that my picture of a sacrament, whether it's the Lord's Supper or baptism, is God's hug. That in baptism, God's given you a hug. And it's not a mistake. The reason why I mention the mistake is, I'm not sure if she's here, uh, but on uh, 
at the, the marvelous service where there were 1,300 people in the two services on that Friday night when, for the LES Christmas program, I saw one of your dear sisters in Christ, and I thought it was somebody who had just said, oh, we're going to be leaving, you know, leaving the congregation. And I thought, oh, this is the last time I'm going to see her. So I raced across the church lobby, wrapped her up in, my, in a hug, said, you know, God bless you. I've been pray- I'll be praying for you. And she looks at me like, what is he doing? <laughs> Got two families mixed up. <laughs> I apologize to her. In your baptism, God is not making a mistake. He knows you personally and he wraps you up in his arms and says, all these marvelous promises that are recorded in the word that you can find in Bethlehem and Nazareth and Capernaum and all these different places as you read about them in the scriptures, you can go out to Beersheba and see that this promise is specifically for you. All that filth is washed away, and you have this powerful Holy Spirit working in you. And so what what gives that word of God its power? The Apostle Paul talks about that in the husband's wives section of Ephesians. So on the back, I quote from Ephesians chapter 5. Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her to make her holy, cleansing her by the washing with water through the word. Isn't that a beautiful picture of baptism? Washing with water through the word. So God's word is connected with that water and, and, and God's church is cleansed. We confess in the Apostles' Creed and the Nicene Creed the holy Christian church. Why is God's church holy? Because we are all God's forgiven children. The church is washed in the waters of baptism. And now he presents the church to himself as a radiant church without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish, but holy and blameless. Holy and blameless. Because God's word is connected with that water. That's what makes that word of God so special. That word of God in baptism makes you Christ's bride. Now, that's not a very manly thing for me to say, but I am Christ's bride. The church is Christ's bride. And those of you who I've performed their marriage ceremony, you know, I always tell the couples, you know, I have seen an awful lot of wedding dresses. I don't remember most wedding dresses. Uh, But I do know that I have never seen a wedding dress with a coffee or Coke stained down her dress. Never, never stained. I've seen brides that are standing at the altar and they're going like this. Because, you know, once they shimmied into this thing, you don't sit down because it might get wrinkled. See, when I hear that the God's church is, is, what, what does he say? A radiant church, a radiant bride, without stain or wrinkle or any other blemish but holy and blameless, ah, In your baptism, when you go out to your Beersheba, remember that Jesus is looking at you like the groom at the end of the aisle looks down at his bride and can't wait for his bride to spend the rest of 
her life, their life together. Jesus can't wait to spend this world, your time in this world and your time in eternity together with him. Uh, brothers and sisters, we just got to go out to Beersheba more often, don't you think? And claim all the promises in that well of promise. So let's read together the third part of baptism from Luther's Catechism. How can water do such great things? It is certainly not the water that does such things, but it is God's word which is in and with the water, and faith which trusts this word with word. The water is just plain water and not baptism, but with this word it is baptism. God's word makes it a washing through which God graciously forgives our sin and grants us new birth and re- new. This is why we are all part of a family of God. See? There's always lessons to learn. I stumble and fall, and God's people help me. This is why we're part of God's church. We're all a partnership. We're a family here. So thank you so much for keeping me going when I'm choking up on the words. And now the last section is just this Romans chapter 6 passage. So... In baptism, we have this marvelous promise that our sins are washed away. You know, remember, Romans 5.20, right before Romans 6, has this, is this marvelous passage. I use it over and over again. Where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. The more I see the filthy clothes that I am wearing, that God sees all the filth of my sins, the more I appreciate God's grace washes it all away. And the more I appreciate that grace of God, the more the question comes up, how can I serve this gracious God? And this is where the Apostle Paul says, you know what? Think about your baptism and connect it with Easter. You know, in your baptism, you were united with Jesus in his death. You know, the stone rolled across part of your life. That that sinful nature in you, that, that, that by nature, that's who you are. That part has died. The, the stone has been rolled across the tomb. You died with Christ. And now in baptism, you rise to a new life. Jesus, Jesus rose to a new life. We can't even begin to fully understand what that new life post-Easter resurrection was like for Jesus, can we? But he says, in your baptism, you are connected with that incredible change. That the risen Savior is working a new life in you. And that now, as I go back out to Beersheba, I look at the desert around me and I go, man, there's so many people who live in this desert who need, who need to see God's grace through me. And so, Lord, 
I'm going to claim the power that you give in baptism, those marvelous promises. I'm going to drink deep from this well of promise. I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to this promise that you're going to work in me and change me so that day by day I, I drown that sinful nature that I put it to death. I, I, I examine my life and my thoughts and I say, oh, Lord, forgive me those sins. Don't let them rule over me. And instead work in me and change me so that more and more I reflect your glory. So that people see what Beersheba means to me and, and, and in their desert, that they come and, and, and want to know about the refreshment that we find here in this well of promise. And the harder we try to do that, the more we say, Lord, I want to live for you, the more Satan's going to be whispering in the back of your ear, going, you failed again, didn't you? And the more we'll appreciate God's grace, and the more we'll appreciate this marvelous promise, sin shall not be your master. Because you are not under law. You see, Satan wants you to, to think that it's always up to you. That where you're going is out to the, to the well of commandments and law and judgment and condemnation. And, and you drink in there and, and it just, it, it's poison. You're not under law, but under grace. You are privileged every day to go back to your Beersheba, to your well of promise in your baptism. I'm forgiven. And I've got the most powerful person in the world working in me. And he will work miracles in me and change me so that I might be that instrument of righteousness, that weapon that he uses to bring these promises of God to others. So I hope that Nate feels better. But I'll be honest, I'm kind of glad I got a chance to talk to you about Beersheba. Let's stand and pray. Lord Jesus, you stepped into our Negev, into our desert to be our Savior. You, you became like us in every way to fulfill all righteousness. You claimed all of our guilt and sin upon yourself. You accepted a baptism of repentance saying, oh, okay, Lord, I, I will accept all of their guilt. And now it's our privilege every day to go back to our Beersheba and claim those promises. Be with your redeemed who are here in person. Be with your redeemed who are listening online right now. Help them claim these promises 
claim that forgiveness. Claim that power. And use them to be a source of refreshment to all the people around us who are in such a dry, desert place in their lives. We ask this in Jesus' name. And in his name we join in praying. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power, and the glory are yours, now and forever. Amen. And the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you, smile on you, and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Shalom. Everything is all right. Amen. Thanks for joining us on the Closer to Christ sermon podcast from St. Paul's Lutheran Church and The Bridge in Muskego, Wisconsin. Closer to Christ podcasts are from our current sermon series and are released every Monday morning. For live stream services and other ministry information, please visit us online at stpaulmuskego.org.